Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. There's been a wrong teaching in the church, in a lot of churches, for a long time that women are to be silent. That's not at all what that scripture means. Jesus opened the door for women in the house of God to be equal, and they didn't understand what was going on because religion tried to keep the women quiet. And when they started coming to the synagogue and the place of worship, they didn't understand protocol, so they would yell out to uh, their husband, Orville, what does that mean? And he says, just be quiet and ask when you get home. That does not mean women don't have a place. As a matter of fact, when we say the blessing on Shabbat, we say, may our sons be like Ephraim and Manasseh, but may our women be like Rebecca, Sarah, Rachel, and Leah. And so women have double the anointing, and we need to recognize that. Amen. And there's a teaching amongst Judaism, and as a pastor, I know it's true. Many times it's the women who lead the way for the family to be spiritual. It's the mothers, it's the grandmothers that open that door for the husbands and the the grandchildren and the children to come to the Lord. And so tonight we're going to celebrate Passover. And but Passover actually doesn't really begin until Wednesday. So instead of saying the Passover blessing and lighting the candles, it's just a different. We say Shabbat instead of Peshek. But when we light these candles and Passover or Shabbat begins in about three minutes. When we say this, what we're saying as we light the candles is in our home, in our family, in our city, in our schools, in our government, no matter how dark it is out there, we will be the light of the world and the light of God will shine brightly. Amen. And when we light these candles, it's a symbol of faith that it, it, it may look like, like in Purim, it may look like things are going wrong, but behind the scene, God is working to turn things around. Amen. And so what we do, Anna is married, Tiz is not here um, right now. Uh, by the way, one of the things, we'll get into it, one of the things on the Seder plate, on the Passover plate, is an egg. And an egg symbolizes that when we understand, and especially us, when we understand Jesus in the Passover, the egg is a symbol of the birthing of a new beginning. And today, Tiz ended her chemo treatment. It's over forever. And for our family, this really is a new beginning. And so when we light this, I want every one of you here and all those that are watching around the world, I want you to claim, no matter what you're facing, no matter how, maybe it looks impossible, today, tonight, God is birthing in you and in all of us a new beginning. Do you receive that? A new beginning, a whole new year. Amen. And so the, the married ladies light two candles 
Katie will light one. It's a symbol of her waiting for uh, your daughters to God bring their better chef, their, their chosen one. We want all of our daughters to be married, but we don't want them to marry just anybody. We want them to marry somebody that loves God, loves them, and makes a living. And all the mothers said amen. So girls, go ahead. And ladies, when we pray, um, and, and you notice if, if I know we have a lot of people new and maybe you're new here, the ladies wave their hands over the candles. And what you're saying is, is we are bringing the light of Christ and the light of God into our home, our family and everything that we're a part of. Amen. So if you ladies know the blessing in Hebrew, say it along with Anna. Father, we welcome the Sabbath blessing into our homes. We welcome the blessing for this entire week, and we prepare ourselves for the miracles for this whole next year in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, who is the Messiah. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Give the Lord a clap offering one more time. Amen. You may be seated, ladies and gentlemen. I want to ask you to open your Bibles this, this evening to the book of Leviticus chapter 23. Now, the celebration of Passover, and, and I know all of you know this, but there's always new people. And, and, you know, one of the teachings, and I'll share this with you in a moment, one of the teachings is, is we're to teach this every year. Because, you know, when we do our television program, uh, Melina and Truett, who produce it, Melina always says, Pastor, teach this, whatever you're teaching, teach it as if we've never heard it before. And I told Tiz as I was getting ready to leave, you know, I was, man, it's been a busy week. It's a, a busy, it's a busy month for us right now. And I said, I was really tired. And I think, man, I, you know, I wish I didn't have to do this tonight. And as I went in and just started praying over my notes and everything, I, it, it just became so alive to me and and so real and this is true every year but as we study this i think you're going to realize that we need to see christ in the passover right now in our country in our lives as we've never seen it before and so i want you to really receive what is taking place now just to give a foundation as we're getting ready to read leviticus 23 is that Jesus is the Lamb of God. He is our Passover Lamb. Jesus didn't die around Passover. He died at the exact time of Passover, exactly the time when Jesus came riding in a donkey and they began to question him is exactly when they were bringing into Jerusalem the Passover Lamb. And so when you see Christ in the Passover, it's going to make things become so alive to you that you're going to realize, I think, more of what Jesus has accomplished than any other time. So let's read together in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, 
the feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim, shall be holy convocations. These are my feast. Everybody say my feast. My feast. Now, I'm going to read a little bit more here, but I want to emphasize to you in whatever feast that we celebrate, according to the Bible, the thing that Christians have brought up for so long is that, well, these are Jewish feasts. And the Lord makes clear every time he talks, whether it's the Feast of Passover, the Feast of, of Shavuot, Pentecost, whatever feast it is, he always says, these are my feasts. These are my feasts. And yes, God gave them to the Jewish people to spread to the rest of the world. But what, you're gonna, what I want you to understand is these are not, well, we're Christians, these are the Jewish feasts. What do they have to do with us? The Lord said, I want you to keep these feasts. I want you, every one of you, to keep these feasts. Now, one thing I want to bring up is, and, and I, I know most of you know these things, but when, when the Jews came out of Egypt, Gentiles went with them. There was a lot of Gentiles that were Egyptians and from other countries living in Egypt. When they saw the power of God defeat false gods, they said the God of Israel is God. And so it wasn't just Jews at Mount Sinai. There were Gentiles there with them. And the teaching on understanding Passover is that as we read the story and we study the story and we hear the story and we receive the story, you need to picture you and your family leaving Egypt. The word Egypt means limitations. It means slavery. It means bondage. That's what the word Egypt means. So they weren't just leaving a physical country. They were leaving bondage that a government was putting on them, and they were free now to receive the blessings and the goodness of God. Amen. And so when we read this story, I want you to picture yourself leaving bondage and walking in the freedom that's been paid for by the Lord. It says here, holy convocations. That's a fancy word. And it literally means in Hebrew, a dress rehearsal. It's a rehearsal until the real thing came. So the blessings of Passover, every time the Jewish people would do Passover, the blessings of Passover would come on them, but it was temporary. But it's a rehearsal for when the real thing, Jesus, who is the Passover lamb, came and shed his blood and died and set us free. Amen? All right, so read with me verse 2. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, these are the feast of the Lord. They're the feast of the Lord which you, and we've been grafted into Israel, Abraham is our father, which you, these are the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy rehearsals. These are my feasts. Verse three, six days shall work be done, but the seventh is a Sabbath, a solemn rest, a holy convocation, a rehearsal, and you shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of the Lord, in all your dwellings. These are the feast of the Lord, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim 
at their appointed times. We know that the Bible says, is there not an appointed time? Now, I say this all the time, and, and forgive me if I'm, if I'm sounding like I'm being redundant, but a lot of people are new to this. God is God 24-7, every moment of every day. But at appointed times, when we celebrate these appointed times, the power of God, the strength of God, the miracles of God are stronger than any other time of the year. Right now at Passover, when you see what Jesus accomplished, you see Christ in the Passover meal, you need to claim that for yourself. Now, he is that every moment of every day. But as we go into the month of Nisan, the time of Passover, the month of Nisan, Nisan means a time, a month of double blessings. So I don't know about you, but I'm receiving on my life and my family, I'm receiving the double blessings of the open windows of heaven. How many can say amen? amen. All right, let's go to verse 5. Uh, or verse 4, these are the feasts of the Lord, the holy convocations which you shall proclaim at their appointed times. On the 14th day of the first month at twilight is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of the, I can't read it, what does it say? Of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread to the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. All right. One thing I want to share with you is don't go to Israel during the time of Passover because you will not eat any bread for seven days. <laughs> and leavened bread's okay tonight, but it gets old morning, noon, and night for seven days. I did it one time, and it was a mistake. All right. <laughs> go with me now to the book of Matthew, chapter 26, and I want to read to you that even though this was given to the Jewish people celebrating the miracle deliverance of limitations of boundaries of slavery, Jesus never stopped being Jewish. Amen. Amen. Now, you know, my, my daughter-in-law, Jen, we, we all gathered the family last night to celebrate Tiz's uh, new beginning and the chemo being done. And my daughter-in-law, Jen, brought something up and she said, you know, Dad, when I'm reading the Bible, we read a lot of words. And she said, these are words that they use to take the Jewishness out of the Bible. And what you understand, need to understand is that is true, that the, the church... 325 years after the resurrection of Jesus, the church was now being led predominantly by Gentiles. And the Roman emperor met in what's, what's now modern-day Turkey. It was called the Council of Nicaea. And they met together and they said, okay, the world is being swept up in following Jesus. Now, this is historical fact. How do we get the people who are following Jesus to turn away from their place of worship being Jerusalem and have them turn towards Rome and make Rome the center of Christianity. Because Christi when Jesus left, he left from Jerusalem. When Jesus returns, he's coming to Jerusalem. But the church making religion political said, how can we get them to turn away from Israel, away from Jerusalem, and make Rome, the Roman Empire, the center of religion? 
And so one of the things they've done is we, in the church, we call this communion. In the Bible, Jesus called it Passover. There's nowhere in the Bible that talks about communion. It's the Passover. So read with me in Matthew 26, starting with verse uh, 17. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, who do you want me to really? Oh, wait, I got the wrong scripture. I was looking at that going, how am I going to make that work? Okay, Matthew 26, 17. All right. Now on the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat Passover? You know, I had the, I had the privilege of, uh, in, in a couple weeks, I'll be walking with one of the most important rabbis in the world. We'll be walking from the death camp in Poland of Auschwitz to Birkenau, where Jews were marched to their death. Six million Jews were marched to their death. And he's invited me as a Christian, first time in history, to walk side by side with him in the march. They call it the March of the Living. And the reason is, is I met with him and we we're supposed to have in Jerusalem and we we're supposed to have a five, 10 minute meeting and it ended up being a two hour meeting. And he asked me as we we're leaving, he said, how do you know these things? How do you know these things? I said, I, I, everything that is in the Bible, I study because it came from the Torah, everything. And he said to me, he said, that's because Jesus never stopped being Jewish. And if we can get that across to everybody and realize there's some wonderful things in here that has been stolen from us and because it's it, it, uh, politics entered into the church. Who would have ever thought politics entered church? And so here we see Jesus, who is our Lord and Savior, and the disciples come to him, and you can read it over and over again, where do you want us to prepare Passover? And so the thing we want you to understand is that as we teach these things, you know, uh, it, it, well, you, are you trying to make us Jewish? No, I'm trying to make you disciples of Jesus and do what, if Jesus did it, duh, maybe we ought to do it. Because nothing that Jesus did was out of ritual. It was out of revelation. And so Passover, here you go all the way back to Moses, and God says, for all generations, remember this. And I don't know if I'm understanding this right, but we're one of those generations. And we see Jesus himself keeping Passover, right? So this is Jesus in, in the Passover. Now, the first thing Jesus would have done was he would have come and washed his hands. And I'm going to do this symbolically for all of us. The washing of hands, the washing, Sam made fun of it, I say washing. <laughs> it's a South St. Louis thing. I, I preached one time for T.D. Jakes and all the, pe all, all the bunch of people came and said, you're from South St. Louis, aren't you? And I said, how do you know? He said, you say washing. And you say uncle instead of, you say uncle instead of, okay. So this is the washing, washing of hands. I can't even make my mouth say it. The washing of hands is symbolic of being baptized. Being baptized is where we get the word being born again. Now, I know we use that as, as receiving Christ as Savior, 
But if you look at the teachings of Jesus when Nicodemus came to him and said, how do you do these miracles? He said, Nicodemus, you're a Jewish ruler. You should know these things. You must be born again. Nicodemus said, how do we born again? Are we, do we enter a second time into his, our mother's womb? And he said, you know, everything. Let me ask you if I'm a good teacher. Let's see if I'm a good teacher. Everything that's taught in the Bible has two parts. What are they? Physical and spiritual. Everything. This is what Nicodemus is saying to Jesus. He said, do I enter a second time into a mother's womb? He said, you know, there is the physical birth. Ladies, when you're about to have a baby, what breaks? Your water. Okay. There's the spiritual birth. When we, when we are baptized, and this is why the Lord said, be baptized at least once a year because it breaks the limitations of this world it's it's a cleansing the 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 hands the hands that you have everything you put your hands to i'll cause it to prosper water is a symbol of purity it's a symbol of the wisdom of god you're around we're around all kinds of negative things negative thoughts negative input negative news negative bank reports negative all these things when we enter into the water the 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 baptismal tank in hebrew is called the mikvah and the mikvah literally means in hebrew the womb of the world baptism is not a sign uh, you know i was taught when you get baptized you're making a public confession that you are a sinner and now you're resurrected with christ if that's the case why did jesus get baptized because he's the unblemished lamb of god it's not a sign of joining the church jesus is the church it's a spiritual thing jesus is about to enter into the battle with the devil and it breaks the limitations off of your mind and your life and it lets you hear the voice of god so when we when we go in and 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 we get baptized if we can't be baptized or enter into the mikvah then we wash our hands it's a symbol of breaking every curse that comes against us and i received this for my family boy we've had sickness attack us the last several years and i received that this is broken in the name of jesus and maybe you have financial problem or home problem or whatever nothing say nothing 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 that is given to us in the bible is given to us for a ritual it is a revelation but with that revelation we need to do those things jesus said why call me lord and not do what i tell you to do so it's not just a ritual it's not just a ritual it's a revelation but it's not just a revelation it's a ritual it's a doing with the revelation so i want you to receive right now that every curse is broken off you as i wash my hands every limitation is removed the ceiling is lifted off this next year is going to be a great year because we're entering into through passover we're entering into a new year and there's no limitations say no limitations all right so let me say the blessing it's amazing when we say the blessing of baptism it says lifting up holy hands and we're lifting up holy hands 
that has no limitations on us because now we can hear it, it, and it doesn't make it if you're making a decision as a parent if you're making a decision in business if you're making a decision with medical things or whether we 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 can have the mind of god and he'll lead us and guide us and teach us and show us everything to come amen do you receive that and no limit you can drive down the road and the holy spirit will say you know what there's a new job in that building for you go get it or you know you know what buy this piece of land and God will make it explode, or whatever it is. You know what? Quit dating that guy. I got a better guy for you. No, say no limits. All right, so the first thing we do is we wash our hands. In, in the Lord's Supper, we take one cup. We're missing three-quarters of the blessing because on Passover, there are four cups. Did we pass out? Yes, sir. We, we have things? All right, so open up. Do we have four cups or just one? Okay, because we're being cheap, and so uh, uh, I already pledged a million to Israel, so I can only get you one cup. So pull out your cup. In Passover, there, there's actually four cups, and they're called four cups of joy. Now, I want everybody to hear this. Religion makes you miserable. A relationship with the resurrected Son of God brings great joy. Amen. Amen. It brings great joy. Everything about God, it's not just getting to heaven. It's I've come to give you life and life more abundant. And so the first cup that we take is, is, is and, and by the way, the, 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 when you take the, the wine or the grape juice, whatever it's called, Kaddush, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a holy sanctification. It's extremely important. And because, well, you know, if we were really doing this and you were in a Jewish home, you would have these cups and they would, they would be filled to overflowing and you have to drink the whole cup each time it's presented. So by the end of four, you've got joy. <laughs> oh, God help me. The, the first cup is called, in English, the cup of sanctification. And what does that mean? And here's the beginning of your joy. It doesn't matter where we came from. It doesn't matter what our past is. The cup of sanctification means there is no condemnation to us. You know, when, when I first got saved, uh, you know, I, for three months, I'd come to the altar and kneel and receive Jesus again. Finally, my pastor said, Larry, you know, you only have to do this once. You know, I said, no, you don't know. It's going to take a few, few trips for me to get. And he goes, no, it's all covered. And that's, that's so important that you understand this. If you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I guarantee you the devil will come, and when you're praying, he'll bring up your failure. He'll bring up your failure. He'll say, God won't heal you because of this. God won't bless you because of this. God won't help you because of this. And that's why we take time to understand. Listen, there's none of us came to Jesus walking on water. There's none righteous, no, not one. 
You know, I tell the story all the time that, that when we first got saved, Tiz would tell the story and she'd say, you know, Larry was a million dollar sinner. I was a $5 sinner. Tiz would say she was a $5 sinner. Well, I can tell you stories and I know she's at least seven fifty. <laughs> but it doesn't matter if we were raised on the streets or raised in a church pew, there's none righteous, no, not one. And so every one of us needs Jesus, right? Okay. But the devil will come and he'll bring up your past. He'll bring up your past. And it's so important that we understand maybe you, maybe you failed yesterday. If you bring it to the Lord, you know, when they accuse Paul, he said, I never harmed anyone. And they go, what do you mean you never harmed anyone? He said, that was an old man. That was a different man. That was, that was Saul. I'm Paul. And you need to understand this, that when Jesus died on the cross, that holy of holy was ripped open from heaven to earth where you and I can come boldly. Say boldly. boldly. That word boldly literally means with confidence. Come boldly before the throne of God. And it's our Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. So when we drink this and we say the blessing, you need to understand, and, and, and I say this all the time, and it sounds ho hokey and corny, but when, when the devil reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. Yes. That you're going to heaven, but not only going to heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes. Oh, come on, somebody. There's no poverty in heaven right? No failure in heaven, no sickness in heaven, no enemy in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so you need to come both because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And let not that man think when he prays, he receives anything. And so we need to understand it doesn't matter if we were a million dollar sinner or a $5 sinner, we are redeemed by the blood of the lamb. We have been sanctified and made holy by that blood. Amen. Can I have an amen? amen? So we only have one cup. You only can get a sip, right. just little bitty. Blessed are thou, Lord, King of the universe, who blesses us by bringing fruit from the vine. And the, 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 this is a symbol of joy. It's a symbol of the covenant promises of power of God. And it's a symbol of God covering your family with blessings in the future. Amen. Amen. Now, if you look at the Seder plate, after we take this wine and we say, there is no condemnation to them in Christ Jesus. You cannot, you cannot let the enemy bring up your past. But at this time, when we realize this, we then take some of the bitter herbs that are on your plate. Parsley is usually used and you take it and you dip it in salt water and you eat of it. Now, I'm not going to eat of it now because then I'd be talking and spitting <laughs> parsley on the front row. But this is symbol symbolic to remind you of when you were in Egypt, when you were in the world, before the Lord delivered you out of bondage, sin was bitter. And the salt is to remember the tears. Now, I don't know about you, but... 
when I first got saved, there was many times that the devil would come and speak to me and remind me of all the good times. Oh, if you'd only go back to Egypt. But then I would remember, yeah, there were some good times, but how many times would I see the police pull up in my rear view mirror? Oh, don't look at me like, I have no idea what he's talking about. I was raised holy. Or when sin affected your marriage or your home or your business or your finances. And so David said, Lord, remind me of the pit from which I was dug. And that's so that we appreciate. You know, one of the, one of the things that causes people to backslide more than anything is they forget where they came from. And so one of the teachings in this is that we are to remember where it is we came from. And, you know, I, I was interviewed by a radio station, uh, the people that did, have you guys seen The Chosen? The Chosen, this, this uh, radio station uh, interviewed me yesterday and uh, now has opened the door. They want to free put my teachings on the radio and they own some country western stations. They want to put it on that. They're going to come and advertise our October 21st event of, of Unite the Light. It, it's just a, an, an amazing thing. But as they said, the reason why they, I said, how'd you get my name? And they said, well, we heard you're taking your church to see the Jesus revolution. And they said, somebody called us and said, if you think that story of the Jesus revolution is interesting, wait do you hear Pastor Huck's story of getting saved during the Jesus revolution and what he was involved with? And so they said, we want to know more about this. This is an interesting story. But while I was telling them my story from Columbia, South America, it brought back some in a positive way, some really bad feelings of what it was like when the police were after me, what it was like when people were trying to murder me because of drugs and the violence I saw and stuff. And so we don't look back at our past to be condemned, but sometimes we need to look back to remember and appreciate our future. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to everybody? That's why, that's why the, one of the reasons the Bible says we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And so many times we think the word of our testimony is for somebody else, and it is. But the word of our testimony is also to remind us and not take the blessing and the goodness of God for granted. Amen. All right. So the next part of the next part of the Seder meal is that we, they would we would stop. And by the way, the Seder meal, when you if you do it in 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 all of its fullness, it takes about three and a half hours. I'm going to do it in about three hours and fifteen minutes. No, I'm I'm joking. I didn't get any amens on that. I'm gonna, I'm doing the brevi- uh, uh, the Reader's Digest version. So the telling of the of the Passover meal is called the Hagdalah. And the Hagdalah, it means the telling, the telling of the story. And that's what the scripture that God said to Moses is every year you tell this. And so at this part, you would, you would be, um, you would be stop and you would be telling the next generation, the story of God's miraculous deliverance out of Egypt. And that's pretty much what we're supposed to do with our testimony is tell 
the next generation the miracle of Jesus saving us and delivering us out of this world. And so in telling the story, we also tell the story of how this all began. And I'm just going to go through it very quickly. You would start with Abraham. Abraham was the first Hebrew. The Abraham was the first Jew. And Abraham realized that by, by a revelation of God, there's only one God. There's not this God and that God and the other God. There's only one God. And so when he realized that, God said, I want you to get up out of the land, and I want you to, I'm going to show you a land that you're going to live in, and that's the land of Israel. And he said, I will, I will, I will lead you, and I will guide you, and through you, Abraham, and the land of Israel and all the Jewish people, he said, all the world will be blessed. Now, you know, we we're talking about this, uh, I think, with Sam and Shmulek. You look at the land of Israel. Israel is 75 years old since they came back to the land. 75 years. And some of you will go with us to Israel in, in a few weeks, and it'll be your first time. You'll be astounded. It's it's huge modern cities and technology. Israel is changing the world. Israel's technology surpasses everyone else in the world from, from uh, electronics and technology to farming and bringing water and all kinds of things. And this has all been accomplished since there was no Israel 75 years ago. Coming out of one-third of all Jews, I think it was one-third of all Jews were killed during World War II. Yeah. And you think about this, and when God says, through you all the world will be blessed, and we who receive Christ, what he said, he said, Abraham, we're adopted into that family, and Abraham is our father. And so the story of Abraham is not just for the Jewish people. It's for us who have been adopted into that family. So out of Abraham came Isaac. Out of Isaac came Joseph, uh, or Jacob. And out of Jacob came Joseph. This is where the story of Egypt begins. You know where Jacob told Joseph, you're going to be special. And he made him a coat of many colors, a tallit, obviously, of many colors. His brothers got jealous of him and threw him in a pit and told their father that Joseph had been killed. Joseph was sold into slavery but Joseph followed God. Now, this is a great teaching for us, at, for us and for our children. It doesn't matter what situation we're in. It doesn't matter what's being said in the movies or in the music or in the White House or whatever it is. Right. We are to follow the teachings of God. Yes. Amen. And if we do... The devil will say, oh, it's going to end up bad for you. But this story shows that what Satan meant for evil, God will use for good. So here comes Joseph. He's got favor. He gets put into uh, a, a situation where his master's wife uh, puts the moves on him and tries to get him to sleep with her. But he will not break the teachings of God, the word of God. And so she cries rape and he's get thrown into prison and and out of prison, there's a dream that comes to Pharaoh. I'm cutting the story way short. And nobody could interpret the dream. They said, well, there's a guy in prison that can interpret it. He comes in and interprets Pharaoh's dream. And he goes from the pit to the number two most powerful person in the world. Look at me. Because he obeyed 
the word of God. We do not bow down to this world. We love everybody, but we do not bow down to this world. We follow the word of God. Amen. Now watch this. Now, when I, you know, when I was going over my notes and, 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 you know, I've taught this for 28 years now. And when I was going over these notes, it hit me, boy, this may be more important now than it has ever been in my lifetime in reading this. When Joseph, because he lived for God, when Joseph became the second most powerful guy in Egypt, all of Egypt became blessed. Now, I want you to think of Egypt being America. Our nation was founded as being one nation under God. It is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When our founding fathers started America, they th because people were coming from all different countries, they thought, what will be our language? And originally they thought, we ought to make the language in American Hebrew because we are Judeo-Christians. Our national symbol, they thought at first, would be e Israel leaving Egypt and going through the parted sea. So we were founded on this blessing. And because of this blessing, America became the greatest nation in the world. Because of the blessing of God on Joseph and Joseph following the teachings of God and not deviating, even though that Pharaoh was not following God, God blessed Egypt, and because that Pharaoh saw the blessing that followed Joseph, God's people were not persecuted. Then the story goes that that Pharaoh died and came another Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. In other words, did not know Joseph's God. And because of that, they went and they saw that everything the, the Jews, let's say everything God's people put their hands to, it was prospering. And so this Pharaoh was afraid of them. And so he started making their worship illegal. He started blaming anything that went wrong on their religion. And eventually, because a lot of the Jews, rather than fearing facing persecution, they went along with it and assimilated into the Egyptian culture, and they went from great prosperity and rulers of the nation to slaves. Somebody say amen. amen. It makes me nervous when I see six Christians get shot in a Christian school and three quarters of the media are saying tongue in cheek that they got what they deserved because of Christian teaching. If you look at the persecution of the Jewish people, why have the Jewish people been persecuted for, for all these years, 3,000 years? Why? Because the devil wants to remove God from every nation. 
But I got news for the devil. God's always had a remnant. He's always had a remnant that will not bow down. Amen. And so the Jews went from leaders of the nation and great blessing into, into slaves. And when that happened, Egypt power began to dwindle away. And they went from the strongest nation in the world into a nation of poverty. Now, they still kept the Jews as their slaves, and, and they built their economy on the backs of the Jews, and they built their pyramids on the backs of the Jews. But there came a time that, and I believe this, I, I said this in the interview, you know, if you look at the Jesus people movement, the Jesus revolution, we're going to see that. That happened, that happened about... 30 years ago, 28, 30 years ago. That's what I got saved in. At that time, America was in the worst situation with their young people they'd been forever. We've just come out of World War II, and the hippie movement began, and everything was drugs, and everything was, we were rioting and protesting everything. And in the middle, when it, because if the younger generation is lost, and let me, let me throw this in as you're watching things on the news and everything, everybody thinks that, well, there came the 10 plagues, and then, and after the 10 plagues, then Pharaoh said, you can go. That's not true. During the plagues, there was one time that told, that told Moses, go ahead and go, but leave your women behind and leave your children behind. And when I look at our nation on Women's Day of America, given a man in a dress, the honor of a, of, on Women's Day, I declare to all you women, I would be upset if I was a woman, but we're not going to leave our women behind. And I look at what they're trying to teach in our school system. We're not going to leave our children behind. We're going out together and we're heading towards the promised land together as a traditional family. Somebody say amen. 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 So do you see this similarities there? But then after it got to the point that, that, that it's, just, it's just crazy, the Bible says instead of assimilating and saying, you know what, if we just become like the Egyptians, they'll leave us alone, and they finally realize, no, they're not. They have a goal. And the Bible says the Jewish people at this point, let me, let me read it to you, they remembered their God. And I believe that's what's getting ready to happen in America. Just like it did in the Jesus revolution when things were, I mean, no young people were going to church. It was, you know, church, the economy was a, a, a disaster. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere came a Jesus revolution. And I declare to you, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he can do it in Egypt then, if he could do it 28 years ago, he can do it again right now. Somebody say amen. All right. So... Uh, God chooses a man by the name of Moses, and Moses goes before Pharaoh, and he says, let my people go. You know, in the interview I was asked, they said, why aren't churches standing up against these things? And I said, well, one is we have a lot of pastors, or we have pastors that are saying, you don't have to listen to the Bible. You can live any way you want to live. Don't listen to people that say Jesus said, well, those aren't pastors. Those are false teachers. Those are false teachers. I don't know what you're calling yourself, but you're not a pastor. 
Okay. Then you have a, a lot of others that are afraid to say something. Well, if we, if, if we say something, maybe the government will come in and take our 501c3. Listen, the government is not Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Almighty God is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Or they're thinking, well, if we say something against abortion, or if we say something against what they're teaching in school, then we'll lose part of our congregation. If you have people sitting in your congregation that are for them teaching our babies this smut, then they're not part of your congregation. They're part of the world. Amen. What if I would have came in and they just said, live any way you want. I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be alive. I wouldn't have my, ma my family. I wouldn't have my kids. I wouldn't have my grandkids. I I'd be in prison or dead. Yeah. Yeah. If they have said, you know, you just live any way you want. But I began to follow the teachings of God. I got saved by grace. But then they told me, you know what? You need to follow because God has a life for you and that life more abundant. And I believe God's getting ready to do that again. And we need to rise up and say something. Amen. God always has a Pharaoh are a Moses that will speak to Pharaoh. Okay, so Moses comes, and the Bible says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. But Moses didn't back down. And God said, stand back, Moses, and watch what I'm going to do. And the Bible says God brought 10 plagues against Egypt. Now, I want this to be a warning to America. When God's getting ready to get your attention, you better pay attention. Now, we're going to see in a moment that even though the plagues came, everybody that had the blood of the lamb on their door, they were spared. Amen. Say amen. amen. But they brought 10 plagues. Why 10 plagues? Because Egypt had 10 main gods. And God was saying to the Jews who were assimilating and being like the Egyptians, and he was saying to the Egyptians, there is no God but the Lord God. These are false gods, and every one of these gods were defeated. Now, I, I could go over all what they are, but every god they have, every one of their ten main gods was defeated by the hand of God. Amen. So finally, Moses comes before the Lord, and again, and this time, it's an interesting statement. There are nine plagues that have taken place. The, the, all the water, the Nile River, everything turned to blood. There's frogs, there's boils, ev everything. And finally, he comes to Pharaoh, and this time, it doesn't say Pharaoh hardened his heart. It said God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Now, you look at this, and you go, why would he do this? It's a simple explanation. The devil doesn't care if we assimilate. The devil doesn't care if we become the, like the world. Right. So had Pharaoh backed off and said, okay, well, you know what? We're going to give you your farms back. We're going to give you your businesses back. The Jewish people would have stayed in Egypt. But they had to get out of Egypt because they had to make it to the promised land. Remember, this Passover meal is a rehearsal of the Passover lamb of God, of Jesus coming, and he could only come to Jerusalem. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So God hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he wouldn't let him go. And then God says, here's the 10th plague. The firstborn of everything in Egypt is going to die. Now, this meant the firstborn children, 
the firstborn animals, the firstborn anything, the firstborn of everything is going to, is going to die. Now, when we read that, and I've heard, I've heard even in the ministry, people say, man, that's, that's a harsh God, but God doesn't do that kind of thing anymore. God says in this, I will not be mocked. Here's one thing that nobody can mock God and say, God said he would do that and he didn't. What you sow is what you reap. So if we look at this, that God says the firstborn will be killed, will die. We look at that and we say, that's awful harsh, but go back to the beginning of Moses' story. Where did Moses, where did Pharaoh's daughter find Moses? In the river, in a basket. Why was he put in the river in a basket? Because Pharaoh decreed the firstborn of the Jews would die. And so now here, and so Moses' mother put him in a basket and floated him down. And Pharaoh, what Satan meant for evil, God used for good. Pharaoh's daughter grabs him and she couldn't have a child. She wasn't able to have a child. So she brought this child in as her own. So here's Moses raised up in Pharaoh's own house, a Jew, a child of God. And so when we look at this and we say, man, that sounds awful harsh. We got to remember that they're reaping exactly what they sowed. But here's the, here's the Passover over lamb is that God is about to give an umbrella to everybody who will put the blood of the lamb on their door. So this takes us to the second cup. Grab your little sippy cup. This is the cup of deliverance. Now, if we were doing this and did the whole thing, we would take our finger in this cup, the cup of deliverance, and we would sprinkle it on our plate 10 times, representing the 10 curses. Now, what we're saying there is twofold. One is that we who have the cup of deliverance, the blood of the lamb, we are delivered. We may be in this world, but we are not of this world. We are delivered. But here's the second part of this is that when we sprinkle this 10 times, we are acknowledging that our salvation is not complete unless we stand up and help deliver the rest of the world from the plagues that are coming against them. That's why it's so important that we stand up for what the Bible says. That's why we're so important that we stand up. You know, listen, when I, when I came in as a drug addict, God didn't, you know, n- nobody in the church would even come near me. And, you know, uh, they looked at me and said, well, he'll never make it. Well, I'm glad man looks on the outside and God looks on the inside. And we need to remember that when we start seeing people coming in and they look like they're from the streets. Just remember my story. I came to the altar myself and Donna, a, a girl that we, uh, one of the girls that I moved out there with, who all became pastors' wives. That, nobody would. They looked at me. And go, oh, he'll never make it. Well, I'm not in heaven yet, but I'm 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 getting closer, Amen. right? And so part of our part of our salvation is what God's done for us. We need to share with somebody else. We need, to, we need to share that light. 
We're the light of the world. You don't take the light and put it under a bushel basket. The church has got to start being the light again, not just on Sunday, but when you go to work and you hear somebody that's sick or you hear somebody's going through a marriage problem, you hear somebody that say, you know what? Jesus can help you on that. Can I pray with you? Can I tell you a story real quick? There's this young man that, that Anna hooked me up two years ago with that cuts my hair. And he came to my house yesterday to cut my hair, and he's tattooed from his neck on down, and he, he's got a shaved head and everything. He, I'm sure people, my neighbors seen him walk into my house go, uh-huh. He's dealing again. And, uh, and he's telling me, he, you know, and I've been just telling him about the goodness of God for two years, sitting in the chair and going, I'm pushing, you know, holier than thou, or just, you know, and he'd have something going in his life. And I said, let me pray for you. And he started, I said, hey, are you going to keep your head shaved? I know it's the last couple of times here. He goes, well, until I reach a goal. And I said, what's your goal? And he starts tearing up. And he goes, you know something? He said, you know, I've already heard, always heard you talk about doing good for people and stuff. And he said, I was at my dad's shop and I saw this guy and I saw him looking in and I knew he needed a haircut, didn't have money. And he said, I, I, I asked him, you want a haircut? And he goes, oh, I don't have any money. And I gave him a free haircut. And he goes, it made me feel so good. And he's tearing up. And then he's talking about his four-year-old nephew and his mom's on drugs and his dad's MIA. And he said, you know, I, I just started saying, I need to, I need to uh, you know, uh, not have him grow up in that environment. My wife and I were taking him out. He's being raised by grandmother and stuff. And he said, and I realized in some of the things you were saying, he said, you know, I can't really help others. In, in, until I get myself cleaned. I can't tell him though. So I'm, I'm working out now and I got a guy and he's a, he's a Christian and he's helped me work out. And, and I, I told my friends, I'm not hanging around with you anymore. I'm not, so I, 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 he said, and he's tearing up. He said, it just feels so good to help somebody. Amen. And I said, that's tikkun olam. That's exactly what this is all about. You know, in the interview the other day, the lady, the lady asked me, she said, you, you know, I, I can remember when I was doing Benny Hen's program and he, and Benny's friend had gone back on drugs and died and Benny loved him. And he pulled me on the program and he said, how did you stay off of this? And I said, one of the things is, is if you don't give out that living water stagnates, you got to have a way for it to come in and you got to have a way for it to come out. If you want to stay saved and stay, you know, in a relationship with God, you got to give it out and he'll just keep filling it up. He'll keep filling it up. And that's what this is all about. And so here it is very back then. He said, okay, God saved you from these plagues. Now go help somebody else find that salvation. And that's a, that's an amazing thing. And so the, this, this second cup is the cup of deliverance saying that, Number one, no matter what's going on in the world, we may be in the world, but we're not of the world. We're going to be delivered from what God is trying to bring against the world. But our job is to bring that deliverance and pass it on. Amen. So lift your sippy cup up. Father, we thank you for the power of our deliverance. And Father, I ask you to give us the love of Christ, the boldness of God, the direction of the Holy Spirit to help bring this light into other people's lives in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus our Messiah. Lakaim. You know what the neat thing about you being the light of the world? Darkness can't overcome light. 
but light always overcomes darkness. You never see coming through your window a beam of dark. Right? But you see a beam of light. The candles are symbolic of us being the light of the world. No matter which way you tilt the light, it always points towards heaven. And we need to understand that. Amen? All right. Uh, I'm, I'm taking a little longer than I thought, but it's Friday. The next thing I want you to see is as Jesus is our Passover lamb. And let me, let me cut through a, a lot of this. On the day of Yom Kippur, they would bring two lambs to the high priest. He would pick one lamb they, at the temple door. He'd pick one lamb, he'd bring it in, he'd sacrifice it. And through the blood of that lamb, all sins are forgiven. This is the, this is, this is, this is the main purpose of the Passover lamb, that sins would be forgiven. But also, as he sprinkled the blood of that lamb seven times, and Jesus shed his blood seven times, it prepared the power of God to be released. Then they would go back to the temple door and they would lay hands on that second lamb or that second goat. What is that? Huh? Oh, I'm not ready yet. I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm, I'm not even, I'm just giving them false hope. I thought the rapture was taking place. I was about to fall to my knees and repent. I thought I was hearing something real. It's real, it's real. And so Jesus, Jesus, they sprinkle the blood seven times. Jesus said his blood seven. Then they would confess their, 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 their sins and confess the curses over that goat. And if the goat died in the wilderness, then the curses were broken. The sins are already forgiven, but then the blessing could be released. Now, God told the Jews, I want you to go and get a lamb and bring that lamb to your house. This is symbolic. This is Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the day that they were waiting for the Passover lamb. Now, I won't take time to read it. Maybe we can put it up there. But it, it's, it's, it's a very powerful thing in Exodus, um, where is, uh, uh, Exodus 12. It says... They were bringing the lamb to their home. And it's the same terminology in Matthew and John. They were waiting for a lamb. When they saw Jesus, they saw the lamb. And when they began to worship him, he became their lamb. And that's the same thing in Exodus 12, 3 through 5. He says, a lamb, the lamb, your lamb. When you bring him in your house, he becomes your lamb. Now, I say this real quick, and forgive me for going so fast. The lamb was the deity of money for Egypt. It was the God of money for Egypt. And so see, they see the Jews, and the Jews had begun to come back to God and were keeping the Sabbath. And so when they saw the Jews walking with a lamb on a robe, which was their God of money and prosperity, they questioned the Jews and said, what are you doing with that lamb? Yeah. 
and they said, we're going to sacrifice this lamb and he will save us. Now, tie this in with the prophecy that came from Moses the Pharaoh and said, we're going to kill all the firstborn. Now, Moses gave 10 prophecies, 10 curses, and every one of them came exactly the way he said. So now they see this lamb coming, which is a symbol of their prosperity. They hear the prophecy that God is going to kill the firstborn. And so in Egypt, as it is even to this day, in many places in the Mideast, who inherits the business? Firstborn. The firstborn. They inherit the home. They inherit the business. They inherit the, the, the large portion of finances. And so the firstborn come, and this is why tonight is called Shabbat Hagadul, the great Shabbat. The firstborn go to Pharaoh and say, listen, God did exactly what he said he's going to do, and now they're going to kill the firstborn. Now God's going to kill the firstborn. We want you to let them go. Now, the amazing thing about it is they owned the money. They were the ones who owned the money, but they also knew that God did exactly what he said he was going to do. And so Pharaoh wouldn't do it. Pharaoh would not do it. And so the firstborn, which were the financial powerhouses, I believe this is symbolic of the end time transfer of wealth, the wealth of the wicked being placed in the hands of the righteous, because the one who owned it all of a sudden realized it's not just about us owning money, owning all the money, but God is going to do exactly what he said he's going to do. They went to Pharaoh and said, you need to let them go. And the, and the Jews were their money. They're, they were their slaves. They were their free labor. They were what's making them money. And Pharaoh said no. And so the firstborn in, who have been fighting the Jews all this time because they're their slaves now fought for the Jews and went to war against Pharaoh, which is one of the reasons why Pharaoh finally said get out because the war cost them their, the, so many of their young men and cost them so many of Pharaoh's army. It just totally weakened the whole Egyptian system. So they come and they bring the lamb. I'm going to say this real quick. Forgive me. They come and bring the lamb. And as they bring the lamb, God says, I want you to take the blood of the lamb and I want you to put it on the doorpost of your house. Now, and, and I could read all the scriptures and I've got them. You've heard them mostly. We always picture, we always see in the movies where they're outside their house and they're putting, putting the blood on the outside of their house. It says, put it where you eat. They didn't eat outside, they ate inside. So it wasn't putting it on the outside, it was saying, I am covering my family and everyone in my home. Because the Lord says, when I see the blood on your home where you eat, I will not, now if you look at your Bible, it will say, I will not let the destroyer come in and destroy you. If you look at the word you, it's italicized, which means what? It's been added. So he did not say, if you put the blood on your home, I will not allow the destroyer to destroy you. He said, I will not allow the destroyer to come in your home and destroy. 
So that means that blood, no matter what our family is going through, no matter what our children are doing, no matter what our grandchildren are doing, no matter what our husband or wife is doing, when we stand in the gap and put the blood on our home and stand for the kingdom of God, eventually those kids and those family are going to be serving God and they'll be divinely protected by the hand of God. Now, I believe this in all my heart. When we understand this and we put this on, that all of a sudden your kids are not going to be wanting to hang around with the wrong kind of people. They're not going to be wanting to do what the wrong kind of people want to do. God will put a distaste in their mouth and you'll see them start coming back because this promise was the promise of Israel then and now through the blood of Jesus, it was a rehearsal then. It is the real thing right now for every one of us. God will protect our home. Somebody say amen. He says, a, a lamb without spot or blemish, and we understand that when Jesus came riding in on the donkey, and they put the lamb in there, and they said, I want you to put this lamb and tie it to your bedpost for three days. And, and there's a whole reason for that, but if you look, when Jesus came riding in on the donkey, and they, they grabbed him, and they begin to question him at the temple, and even Pilate said, I can find nothing wrong with this man. So this is just like when they would go in and for three days they would check that lamb to see if there was a blemish on that lamb. They checked Jesus. They tried to trick him. They tried to tried to uh, uh, sway him in anything he said. And even Pilate himself says, I can find nothing wrong with this man. Now, the other thing it says is the lamb, the, the lamb, the shank bone, uh, the lamb must be roasted. This is a sign of judgment, the fire, the judgment. Jesus took the judgment that belonged, whether you were a $5 sinner or a $5,000, a million dollar sinner, the wages of sin is what? But Jesus took that on himself. He took God's judgment on himself. That's why the lamb, the, 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 the lamb was to be roasted. And once again, and I, I read this the other day to you, it says, and make sure that no bone was broken. Make sure no bone is broken. And you look at Jesus when they, when they nailed him to the cross and they came and it takes days and days to, to die from crucifixion. It takes days and days, but they had to get the, the, the corrupt Jewish rabbis knew that if somebody was on a, on a cross and the Sabbath came, if they were still on the cross, whatever curse might be on them would come off of him and onto that town, onto that city, onto that village. And so they made the Roman soldiers take those three, the two thieves and Jesus off the cross, but they had to be dead. And so they went to the first thief and what'd they do to him? Broke his legs. They went to the second thief and what'd they do? Broke his legs. Why? Because you die from suffocation. You die when you can't hold yourself up anymore and your arms give in and your lungs are suffocated by your chest cavity. That's how you die from crucifixion. But when they came to Jesus, they looked at him and said, he's already dead. How can he be dead? He's only been up here three hours. And it was exactly at three o'clock when Jesus said these words, it is finished. And the Bible says he gave up the ghost. Now, let me throw something in. I, I know this throws people all the time, but please just receive it. We know that Jesus said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, right? Which is not Hebrew, it's Aramaic. 
and we have had the Bible translated, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And that can be translated in Aramaic like that. But that always bothered me that Jesus would say, why have you forsaken me? When, they came, when he was in the garden, he said, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. He said, this is why I came. Why would he be surprised? So in Aramaic, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, can mean my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But in Aramaic and Hebrew, many words mean the same. It also says, my God, my God, this is why you strengthened me. It's the same words. And so I can picture Jesus going from the garden all the way through down the Via Della Rosa, shedding his blood, being whipped like that. And then finally he's hanging on the cross and he shouts out, not with defeat, but with triumph. My God, my God, this is why you strengthen me. Because he felt the forgiveness of God on every human being come through him from the father through him to our earth. This is why he is our Passover lamb. Somebody say amen. It's an amazing thing, an amazing thing. And then he shouted, not with defeat, but with victory. It's finished, which brings us. And please, I know I took longer than, than my, uh, my appointed time. Let me, let me throw a couple of things in real quick. And I want, in this time, we would take the matzah. Matzah is bread. It's unleavened bread. And every Jewish home since the time of Moses would have something that looked almost exactly like this. And there's, there's not really a reason why, but every matzah sleeve has three compartments. And in these three compartments, you have matzah on the top, you have matzah in the middle, and you have matzah on the bottom. And when you would get to the point of the matzah, where Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you, you would take out matzah, which is unleavened bread. Unleavened means that Jesus had no sin in him. Every matzah from then till now looks like this. It might be round, it might be square, but every matzah is striped and it's pierced. Now, ladies, can you tell me if you're baking something, why do you stick holes in it? Keep it from rising. The world said, the world said, or excuse me, God said to the world, you can pierce him, but he's rising. And so they would take this, and then interesting, they didn't take the first one, the third one, they took the middle one. Now, there's no real teaching on why. Some say, well, maybe it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I believe it's the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. And why do you say that? Because then they would break the matzah, and they would take half of it and bury it. They would take the other half of the matzah, which is symbolic of the Messiah, and they would wrap it in a linen napkin. And they would have the children close their eyes and they would go somewhere in the dining room and hide the matzah. And after the meal, then they would send the children out and look for 
the matzah wrapped in linen cloth. And when they brought it back, the whole room would celebrate and not just the child who found it, but all the children who looked for it, they would be given candy and sweets and everything. And then all that candy would be spread to everybody. And that's a symbol of when you find the Messiah, your life becomes sweet. Your life becomes wonderful. And so as they, as they would, would um, break the matzah and hide it, they would take some of the matzah and they would take horseradish and they would take a mixture of apples and raisins and they would smear it on there and make a uh, afikoman sandwich. And the, the word afikoman has several meanings, but one of the meanings that I like is he will come. And they would make a sandwich and this was symbolic of to remind when you were a slave, the devil had, it was symbolic of building the pyramids and the slaves having to mix martyr. And if you remember when God tried to set them free and they got, he said, okay, we're going to take more of your stuff away and you're going to have to mix it. And it's a reminder to say, if you go back to the devil, it's going to be worse than it was before. That's why Jesus says it's like a dog returning to its vomit. Now, I know that's a horrible illustration. I didn't say it. Our Lord and Savior, the master of peace said it. And so these are all symbols of this. Now, I'm closing with this. And then um, let me jump down through a little bit of it. Well, let me just let me go to the third cup. The third cup is the cup of redemption. I didn't do this one yet, right? The third cup is the cup of redemption or the cup of blessings. And this covers the seven places that Jesus shed his blood. So take your sippy cup. Excuse me for going so long. Take your sippy cup. And once again, and I I love teaching this. I'm not ashamed to teach this. By Jesus dying on the cross is not and shedding his blood seven times is not just about getting you to heaven. It's about getting heaven to you. He said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. When, when we face tis of sickness and line ticket, you know, we didn't, it's not just a ritual. I plead the blood. It doesn't mean anything unless you know the seven places Jesus shed his blood. Amen. And remember the Lord said, and this is why this is called Peshek, Passover. The Lord said, when you know this blood, when you know this blood and you put it on your family, the, the word Peshek is an, is an Egyptian word that literally means a, 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 an eagle or, or a, a giant bird spreading his wings over you. Remember what Jesus said? He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you as a hen does gather her chicks i don't know if you've ever done any farming or ranching anything but when a storm comes those little chicks come underneath and mama hen covers them with her feathers this is the word peshek it didn't it doesn't mean that god just passed over us it means that when we have the blood of jesus in our lives and we know who the passover lamb is he when the storm comes No matter what's going on, when the storm comes, he's going to cover us 
And we're going to be divinely protected from any storm the enemy can bring us. Can I have an amen? amen? And not only protected, but then receive the blessings of the seven places Jesus shed his blood. It's a blessing of deliverance. It's a blessing of healing. It's a blessing of divine provision. You know, I, 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 it's gotten such a bad name, but God wants you to prosper. Amen. Oh, I got four amens out of this. We have people watching from all the world. Say amen for me. Let them. Do you believe God wants you to prosper? God wants to cancel debt. God wants to remove that debt. God wants to bring where we have good measure pressed down. And it's not a gimmick. You know, that's why this coming Sunday we do. And that's part of, that's part of the revelation of a new beginning. An egg represents the potential that hasn't been hatched yet. No matter where you are, this egg represents the potential. It's God saying, I'm gonna, I want to give you a new beginning. And, and it's getting ready to be hatched. I believe in all my heart, one of the signs of the end times, when, when, Israel, when Israel came out of Egypt, and I love, I love the Ten Commandments. I love them. I love Charlton Heston, you know, head of the NRA. You know, I, love, I love Charlton Heston. But the movie's not real. Because it shows all the Jews coming out and they're, they're dragging one half dead goat and everything. No, when they walked out, the Egyptians begged them. Begged them. Oh, come on, somebody. Take our silver. Take our. I mean, they went in a moment of time from eating leeks and garlic to walking out with all the herds, all the flocks, all the silver. That's why God came to Moses. And he said, beg my children, don't leave without the wealth. Don't leave. That's what he said. Tell them, don't leave without the wealth. Because if all of a sudden, if, you know, when I first got saved, I didn't care about it. I mean, man, I'm a, one, one moment I'm a drug addict. Next moment I'm a child of God. You know, when Tiz and I first got married, we lived in an eight by 22 trailer. And we thought we were in heaven. We didn't care about anything, but you know, 50 years down the line, if I still had her an eight by 22 mobile home that we could have hooked to our, our Volkswagen, something would have been wrong. And I learned God doesn't want to just have us drag ourselves into heaven in these end times, just like in Egypt, it was the first end time transfer of wealth. The wealth of the wicked was put in the hands of the righteous. Somebody give me a loud amen. So this is the cup of blessings, the cup of, uh, of, of, of bringing the blessings of God into our life. So lift up your sippy cup. Amen. Now, let me just throw one other thing in there. This, this little sandwich and thing we make and everything, it's called the, the kiporot. And it's where we get the term, and I didn't bring mine out because I didn't, I didn't want to freak anybody out. But when I pray or when I study or whatever, I put a kippah on. And that means that what we're reminding ourselves is, is we're divinely covered by the protection and the wisdom of God. All right. So we get down to the last cup. This is the fourth cup. And... 
Okay, yeah, we get down to the, to the last cup. This is the fourth cup. And this is the, called the cup of consummation or the cup of completion. And I'll say this very quickly. This is the cup that when we read, Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Now, if you read that in, in Aramaic, it says, as often as you do this, tell the story. That's what it means. Tell the story. So instead of just going through a little ritual of some cracker and some wine, tell the story. Tell the story of redemption. Tell the story of what Christ has done for us. But the interesting thing is Jesus put his cup aside. And he said, I won't drink that until we're at the wedding supper of the Lamb. Now, most of you know this story, but because Jesus was an Orthodox Jew, he had to follow the teachings of, of, of Abraham. And so Jesus was required by ordinance to drink the fourth cup. So now take us from the Passover meal to the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says, Lord, if there be some other way, being the son of God, he knew what was about to happen to him if he surrendered his will to the father. He knew the pain and the humiliation he was about to go through. And he said, if there be some other way, let this cup, the cup that completes it, let it pass from me. But then his love for you and I overcame that human feeling. And he said, not my will, but thy will be done. And so Jesus decides He's going to obey God and complete this thing. When Jesus is on the cross, he cried out, I thirst. I thirst. And if you remember, they took a branch of hyssop, which is the very branch that they used to put in Passover to put the blood on the, the lamb's blood on the door, and they lifted up bitter wine to him, and he turned it away because he wasn't thirsting for something physical. He was thirsting for God to complete it for you and I. He was thirsting for God to complete it for you and I, the cup of completion. And so at that moment, when Jesus said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, oh my God, my God, it's about to be completed. This is why you've strengthened me. Think about what he went through from the garden when he went to his disciples and said, can't you pray with me for one hour? To surrendering his will to the father, knowing they're going to rip the beard from his face. They'd spit on him. They'd shove that crown of thorns through his forehead into the bone. They would beat him until his organs hung out. They would put the cross on his, on his back and he'd walk the Via Della Rosa as they mocked him and they kicked him and they spit on him till he couldn't make it anymore. And then a black man came and lifted it up and walked with Jesus with that cross to Calvary. If all Jesus was going to do was die for our sin, he could have died in the garden. He could have let the soldiers kill him, died when they whipped him. But he had to get there. And as he's hanging on that cross, he can taste that it's so close. And he goes, I thirst. I thirst that Satan will be defeated. I thirst that God, your love and grace will be released on these people. And he says, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. This is why you have strengthened me. And then he shouted as he 
spiritually drank that cup. It is finished. And the Holy of Holies that separated all mankind from the power and the blessing of God became open to a drug addict that walked into a church with no shoes on, no shirt on, and seven federal warrants out for his arrest. For his arrest. The Jesus Revolution, my friend, it's about to happen again. So as often as we take this, take your last sippy cup. As often as we take this, we need to tell the story. Next Friday is Good Friday, and we're going to do the Lord's Supper. Bring somebody with you. Let us tell the story. Almost 50 years ago, I met Jesus. I have not yet become religious. I never joined a religion. I've, I've tried. I've tried to become a religious pastor. I've tried to say God instead of God and, and say wash instead of wash. But you know what? I didn't meet a religion. I met the resurrected Son of God who changed my life. And I owe the world to keep telling people he is risen. It is finished. Amen. Then we have one last thing and it's over. There's a fourth cup. And this is the cup of Elijah. And every Seder table has this on their, every home, every family has this on. And this is for Elijah who will announce the coming of the Messiah. And so you send the kids out, they bring the Afikoman, and everybody celebrates. And then you send the kids to the door, of, they would send the kids to the door of the house. And the tradition is you leave your door open during Passover. You leave your door open. In case somebody that doesn't know about this walks by and sees you doing it, and you welcome them into the family of God, into your family. But then you send your kids to the door, and you have them look towards heaven, and you go, do you see Elijah? Is Elijah coming? And think about this. For 2,000 years, the Jewish people have said, next year in Jerusalem. And in 1948, after 2,000 years, the Jews returned to Jerusalem. And it happened exactly the way God said it would happen. And so if we were to look out and see come Wednesday night, because that's when Passover begins. If you look at the sky and you see the prophet Elisha coming, pray real quick. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, hurry up. But if we look out and he hasn't come yet, then that means we have at least one more year to tell the world that Jesus Christ is the Passover lamb. And what a wonderful God we serve. Can, you have, can I have an amen? amen? Would you give the Lord a clap offering and say amen? Yeah, I didn't get the tag. I didn't have you take the bread. But you can, you can eat that wonderful soggy wafer on your own. Oh, you got challah bread. Oh, man, we've really come up in class. So this is Jesus in the Passover. And Passover begins Wednesday night. But the reality of it is, is why wait till Passover to make sure your heart is right to receive the blessings of Jesus? 
So I'd like to have every head bowed, every eye closed. And those who are watching around the world, we're so honored and so blessed that you join us on this Passover celebration. But just there in your seat, as every head is bowed, every eye is closed, and no one's looking around, just, just between you and God and, and me. If you'd say, Pastor Larry, you know, I've never given my life to Jesus. And in doing this, I hope it makes it so clear how much God loves you that he sent Jesus to be your Passover lamb. Or maybe you've known the Lord, but somewhere along the line, you've backslid, you've fallen away. Either way, you'd say, Pastor, would you remember me in prayer? I want Jesus to go from a lamb, from the lamb, to my lamb. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If this is you, would you slip your hand up all over the building and just say, Pastor, remember me in prayer. I want to give my life, rededicate my life to the Lord. Amen. 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 Let's stand all over the building. How many believe that our best year is yet to come? It's going to be a marvelous time. It's going to be an, an amazing, amazing time in your life. Let's bow our hearts and say this all together. Say, Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Now say this with the anointing of Passover. Satan, get out of my life. Get out of my mind. Get out of my body. Get out of my spirit. Get out of my home. Get out of my family. Get out of my finances. Get out of my future. Get out of our schools. Get out of our country. Get out of our city. And we declare by the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, every curse is broken and every blessing is received. Father, we ask you, give America a new beginning. Make the enemy pass over and we will give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now give the Lord a clap offering of Passover praise. Amen. Thank you for coming out tonight for Passover. Thank you for being with us. This, this Sunday is first fruits. This is the most important offering that you can give to release you into what Jesus said, 30, 60, 100 fold. It begins this Sunday. Your best financially is yet to come. We love you. Love somebody before you go. God bless. Amen.